This is exactly right. Welcome <laughs> to my favorite murder. That's Karen Kilgariff. That's Georgia Hartstark. And here we are. Looking at Stephen Ray Morris as if to say, hey, hey. how what's up? That, with you. <laughs> with you. <laughs> and that's what the podcast is all about. Two people trying to talk at the same time. time. Saying oh, the same, same thing. words. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't. Either. 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 <laughs> the finger does help. Either. We're bad at this I podcast. Can't. I'm bad at improv. I'm bad at what doing what other people want. We were bad at, at this podcast is because we couldn't say the same things at the exact same time. Yeah, that's what makes you bad at podcasting. In yeah. every article, they're like, they're okay, but they can't say the same word at the same time. So time. Just, oh shit. Time. <laughs> See? Another. If you listen to episode set, what is the 70? What is this, Steven? Two? 72. 72. I know. Yeah. Steven. Shit, I how know. do you know? How do you know that? Because I'm in that, um, in the email. I'm the, uh, oh, the info email. I don't check that. I know. I get overwhelmed. It's funny how you and I both just get overwhelmed at different things. And so we do the thing that we're not overwhelmed by. And the other person just like doesn't fucking pay attention to it. That's right. Like you are, you're the description person and the naming of the podcast person. And who gets back when people are like, Hey, do you want this podcast to be posted? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I can't. Can't do it. I don't want to be in this. <laughs> and then you're the merch person. You're the magazine person. <laughs> what magazine? You get us all the magazine subscriptions that we want. What? Better Homes and Gardens, Sunset, Popular Mechanics. If that were my job for this podcast, though, I would be sad. <laughs> you would be sad to get magazines? Oh, here, I got you a copy of from four months ago of Psychology Today. It's right here. <laughs> Thank from you. four months ago. I kind of have been sleeping on the job. That's so nice of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll read it now. Would you? Okay, let's... let's Stephen, can you edit this out? Okay, and we're back. <laughs> and welcome. Karen, how was psychology today? To my very... Oh, um, oh, I thought you meant we're back starting over. Oh, hell no. We never start over. Uh, God, that's a good magazine. Just filled with advice. It is actually a really fucking good magazine. It's good. You're like, don't be sarcastic about psychology oh, today, sure. even for don't one moment. talk to me that way. Dare you talk to I got my, my magazine that way? I got my mom a subscription to that one year. Being like, listen, can you get your fucking <laughs> shit together? How about you read this? Subtlety. Did she do it? Yeah, she loved it. I don't think she understood. I don't think she is um, self-aware enough to understand the messaging that, that it was pointed. Sure. Although she did text me. We got in a fight like a week ago. And I, I was pissed off at her and I tweeted something like, the hardest job in the world is raising your mother. <laughs> Thinking that, knowing that she doesn't read Twitter. Right. She's not on Twitter. My dad wrote back, you're telling me. Uh, and I was like, you know. Marty. 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 Um, but then when we were making up, like a couple of days later, she wrote, and I know how hard it is to raise your mother. And I was like, oh, <gasps> Who's shit. The leak? Do you think Marty threw it in her face? No, I think she saw it. You think she checks now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. But I can't imagine she listens to this podcast. Uh, well, if she does, hey, Janet. Hey, Janet. What's up, Hi. Hi, best friend. 
Remember when we partied in Chicago together? We had a good time. Where were we? Chicago. Um, no, where were we? We were just Chicago. Now. 2016. It was Christmas. Uh, oh my God. I'm sure we've talked about this on this podcast, but one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me is um, the night before our show, we got in. In Chicago. In Chicago. Uh-huh. 2016 <laughs> December <laughs> Christmas time um, got it I'm there my sister Adrian and Audrey uh, the four of us went out to try to eat something but it was kind of late at night so nothing around, and it was fucking freezing mm. it was like 50 degrees it was and windy so everyone shut up from everywhere else it was yeah, also that's windy right. mm, 50 that's yeah. nothing I'm from Alaska we don't no. care no there was wind everywhere <laughs> listen I'm on the North Pole that's nothing it's a narwhal um, <laughs> when the other guy's like what a dick the other narwhal can we get a cartoon of a narwhal saying that and another one going like what a dick shut up you dick um, bye, Mr. Narwhal. I'm completely <laughs> ripping that off from Elf. Okay, but. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> State your sources. We <laughs> go into a Walgreens and we all buy hats. That's how cold it is. Yeah. We're California girls. We had no idea yeah. our layers weren't going to work. So we start walking, just trying to find anywhere to eat. Um, and we find, we walk in, we walk in, it's freezing and we're like basically fighting the elements. And finally, we're on a corner and I turn to this girl that's standing next to us on the corner and I was like, Hey, do you know any, like even a diner anywhere at a restaurant that's open around here? And this girl, she was like in her probably mid twenties, maybe even a little older. Um, no, <laughs> like, maybe a little older. No, I just mean for, for this to come out of her mouth. Uh-huh. She goes, um, I don't know, but, you know what you can do? Um, you could Google it. But she wasn't being sarcastic. Like, that's something my sister would say to me with so dripping yeah. with sarcasm where I'd be like, oh, you really got me. But this girl thought she was giving us great advice. Oh. She was like, oh, oh, but you know what you could do? You could Google it. Try to Google I was it. like, oh, my God, you're so right. Have you ever have you ever said that to someone in a, in a sarcastic way where it's like someone will be like, you're like, here's my address to get to my house. And like, what's the cross street? And then you're like, I don't know. Let me Google it. And then you Google it and tell them. No, have you ever done that? That specific exchange? It's mean. <laughs> no. Never mind. <laughs> You're saying reverse it and be sarcastic. Yes. I get you. Yes. I've never done it. I'm positive I've... Well, I mean, like, that's just saying, have you been a bitch in this certain way? Absolutely. A hundred thousand percent. to be a bitch... Have you done it? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you sang a hot of me just now. Yeah. No. Even that was bitchy. <laughs> Anywhere on that bitch color wheel, I've been there t- times 20. I mean, it's a beautiful rainbow. I like it. There's subtleties, there's shades. Yeah. I, I mean, oftentimes it's necessary, like the way I answered the girl who sincerely told yeah. me to Google a restaurant. And I was like, thank you. In a way where she's like, you're welcome. Aww. And walked away thinking she'd made a new friend where I was like, I just tried to stab you with my words, but Okay. <laughs> Her brain was frozen. It was really cold. Her brain was frozen. She was probably shit-faced. Shit-faced. And just really good at covering it up. Oh. Any, do you have any actual business? No. I met a couple murderinos at the Ryan Adams show over the weekend that were really nice. Cool. That weren't like, that were really cool. Cool. Shook hands. That's like business people. Yeah, they're like nice. To, I'm. Thank you. I'm. And it was oh, nice. did you meet the executive of GM? <laughs> yeah, we shook hands. I had a nice strong firm handshake. <laughs> had a glass of really expensive whiskey. Nice. I don't know what it, I would say the name of it if I knew what an expensive glass of whiskey was called. I don't know McClellan's. Mc, some hundred and eight. McMoney's. McMoney's. Uh, business. 108. <laughs> Just throw hundred and eight on there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, business. Let's see. My favorite murder. Mur- no, my favorite murder shirts. Hats are on sale until Monday the 12th. Hat sale. Hat, I don't know. It's summer. Do you like a hat? Do you like fucking not getting skin cancer on your face? You get, know what I love? Get a hat. I lo- oh, you weren't asking me. No. But I do love no. not getting skin cancer, yes. which does run in my family. I also, lately, have been letting my hair get so greasy mm. over the weekends. Mm-hmm. Throw on a hat. Mm. You, can go to, you can go anywhere, really. But like, go to the grocery store, drive around. I'm not there yet. Can't do it? I'm really slowly working my way into hats. Maybe someone told me I look ugly in them once. I don't know. Probably. But something, <laughs> something happened. And I, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I, just, I know you did it. I know you did it. That's why I didn't say it. But it would have been really funny. I was like, why are they laughing? They probably did say that. <laughs> We've all been wanting to. <laughs> See, that's the shade of the bitch scale. I don't even realize I'm on it. That's the gray part. <coughs> the like red part is like I did not mean it like that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well... I meant like you saying, it still is affecting you. Were they wrong? <laughs> Can you argue it? No, I mean it like it things like that I feel like that's my sister I my sister's voice gets into my head because I can't wear a hat with like um I definitely can't wear a hat with earrings. Cause immediately I'm like, oh hey, left earrings? eye Lopez. Oh. Like it's too many accessories on your head. Yeah. But I have to wear glasses. Can and you I wear a s- fake beard? <laughs> no, nope. That counts as an accessory. Fuck. Okay. Eye patch. I'll try it. Because I think that you look like a um, Hollywood star trying to cover her identity when you wear a hat to right. like, the grocery store. What's th- what's bad about that? Nothing. Get into it. Like live your life. And well, also don't. you just don't have to wash your hair. Or get skin cancer. Right. Always good. Have you considered a different top? Are you thinking baseball hat right now? I'm specifically. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying. I just can't yet. I have a picture of you wearing a hat oh. way over to the side. You're trying to call me out? Well, no, I'm <laughs> I was trying to remember, were we in like a thrift store or were you just doing it for the sun? I'm wearing one in the actual sun when I'm sweating and don't give a shit what I look like. Okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> this is my favorite sun out. Okay, I wasn't calling you ugly. See you later. <laughs> no. um. Do you have any uh, business? Uh, yes. Okay. There was a woman in Australia, a murderino, oh, yeah. who went on to a game show no Americans ever heard of, which is, makes this <laughs> difficult because this doesn't stick. If somebody had texted us and said a murderino was on Jeopardy, oh. right? The, yeah. all, we'd all have shat our pants and freaked out. But everyone in Australia is like shutting their pants and freaking out. And they're like, S- a murderino is on the chase. That's my accent. What's for- it called? The chase? The Chase. Okay. It's called The Chase, and I have it right here. If we What's watch her it. name again? Natalie Krug. Okay, this is Natalie Krug. Natalie? She's a contestant on The Chase. You, Natalie Krug, listen, murderinos, if you want to get above someone, beat this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kidding. I don't care. Murder. What? No, we don't. <laughs> oh, it was a different show. <laughs> Yay, Stephanie. I mean, that is so fucking surreal. I can't believe it. Don't get murdered. 
Mated? How'd she say Don't it? get matted. Ma- no. Matted? No. No. And then everyone else. Yeah. Stay sexy. Don't get matted. It's so cool. That's amazing. It's so wild. Um, thank you so much, Natalie. Crud. Fuck, I called her Stephanie. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit it out. Thanks. <laughs> Natalie. Natalie. I'm like, it's so crazy. We love our fans, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, you mean the world to me. <laughs> Stephanie, no one's not ever meant more to me. Can you give me a clean Natalie and I can just okay. punch it in? Natalie. Natalie. Do you Pee Wee Herman from um, Paging Mr. Herman? <laughs> Mr. Herman. <laughs> I'll do the thing. Do the... Uh, <laughs> Do the thing I oh yeah. Whenever there's uh, someone talks about corn, I always say, <laughs> "Can you say maize?" And then Karen fucking blows it up by saying, "This is Paco and his wife Inez." That one, <laughs> yeah. Is that, or there's no basement in the Alamo. Either one, but the first one is better because it's like it's really obscure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, f- the first time I said it, we are yes, we are quoting Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and the first time I did it, the delight in George's face <laughs> that I also knew a line from Pee-wee's Big Adventure to the like to know yeah. where it went in the scene. Yes. Was you were thrilled, but everyone like everyone knows the line I was saying. Everyone knows the thing in the Alamo, but then you took this obscure line and said it perfectly <laughs> to something I've been saying forever, which is, "Can you is it? Can you say maze?" Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, "Wee!" Like it was like I was being pushed in a like a shopping cart all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, uh. "This is so cool." <laughs> well, and also, uh, I think I explained this to you, but. My friend Jennifer Gearing and I, who is my lifelong friend, I haven't seen her forever because she lives in D.C. I'm sure she doesn't listen to this, but hi, Jen, I love you. She does. But we grew up together. Our families were friends. So our parents would hang out together and like get together. And then Jennifer and I were just the two youngest. So we would pair off and go have fun. But she's the greatest. Like we saw... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater oh together. God. Like all of my, all of those major moments of childhood I had with Jennifer Gehring. Yep. And of course we saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure in the theater together. And so we just spoke in movie quotes <laughs> constantly. So we would just, when we were bored or there was nothing else happening, God, kids, this is before social media. Mm-hmm. What you did was just say movie quotes back and yeah. forth to each other like lunatics. That's how my brother and I have communicated like we hated each other and then the Simpsons hap- started happening mm-hmm. and married with children and then like since then he and I've never had a conversation that isn't a quote from one of those two <laughs> like we just Monorail. yeah yeah we just can't do that we have like a secret handshake yeah it's that's from group family therapy though but we have this oh that's real the, I thought you meant the Simpsons quotes were the secret the handshake. secret handshake is from when we had to go to family therapy wow yeah wow it actually yeah okay it was good it was great because we made up a secret a secret handshake and then we hated the therapist together and everything was fine that's good yeah and then you had like comedy bonded you yeah that's what we good sweet so good what were we talking about we're talking about natalie murder (laughs) murder stay 60 don't get murdered there it is there was something else i'm sure steven well, I was like saying, speaking of Australia. Oh, yeah. You oh, guys are going to Australia. We're going to Australia. Oh, that's New Zealand. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. We, we should talk- always do announcements, pretend we never remember them, and Stephen always yeah. has to tell us Every that way. Thing. Jump in. No, uh, I mean, I have the dates Please. in front of me. Do it. You do it, Stephen. 
But do it like really build it up and try to sound like you work on the radio. Yeah. Try to sound like a K Rock DJ. Can That's our Can we local, get local some station. professionalism, Stephen? Stephen, please. Monday, Monday. No. Yes, <laughs> yes. Monster truck rally. Oh wait, Rodney, like. Monday, yeah. Rodney on the Rock. Yes, like, Rodney Monday, Pan. September fourth in Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> uh, I can't do that. Dude, uh, no, it's so good. It's too late. Uh, now do Jed the Fish. Oh my oh, god! Shit, what is Jed the Fish? <laughs> like bro, right? Like yeah, really he, he talk crazy. Like he talked like he had a weird stomach issue. Like it, uh, and it like uh-uh. say it like um, everyone's favorite uh, ra- on radio personality Stephen Ray Morris. Oh yes. Wednesday. <laughs> that Stephen really sucks. Oh God, that's my real voice. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Oh, Monday, September 4th in Brisbane, Australia at the Tivoli. Uh-oh. The Tivoli? Yeah, the Tivoli. Thank mm-hmm. you. No problem. Uh, Wednesday. Oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah, you did it. That was it. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. like, can you just tell us when the fucking show? <laughs> uh, September 6th in Auckland, New Zealand uh, at the Bruce Mason Center. Bruce Mason Center. <laughs> the Bruce Mason Center. Uh, Friday, September 8th in Melbourne. Yes. At the Comedy Theater. Uh, just the Comedy Theater? It's just the. Okay. The. The big one? Uh, and then Monday, September 11th, uh, in Sydney at the Enmore Theater. At the Opera House. The Opera? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Uh, yeah, and the pre sale's going on right now, and then general on sale is. Thank you. Uh, is Tuesday, June 13th. I just got, uh, honestly, that was sincere excitement because I'm like, oh, that's a legit Australian tour. Dude. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> MyFavoriteMurder.com slash live is where you get all the shit, right? Yeah. There's links and such. MyFavoriteMurder.com slash live. Yeah. Oh my God, we're going to Australia. We're coming for you, Australia. We're Please get ready. coming for you. I'm so excited. So excited. And New Zealand. It's going to be bananas. Um, Elvis and Mimi are going to come. <laughs> they're no we're gonna bring these big crates we're gonna bring and then steven's gonna be their nanny their overseas nanny <laughs> he's gonna be taking them they get their own uh adjoining suite yeah steven has to ride with them and um where the pets go on the plane though because i'm just worried about oh, leaving cargo? them alone cargo yeah we have to put steven in a crate in cargo yeah otherwise the cats will be scared he's like crying laughing this is his dream <laughs> come he's true so excited. he's like that's the birthday i want i want for my next birthday oh hey technically it's my birthday today georgia but not till thir- thursday but when when people hear it yeah happy podcasters happy birthday no thank you thank you oh elvis is leaving Elvis, what? That was my best version. Thank you, guys. So rude, Elvis. Happy birthday! What's your um, what's your birthday resolution for the coming year oh, for you? Shit. As you're in this new age, <sighs> live it, mm-hmm. love it, yes, learn it, right? Love it. Learn to levitate. <laughs> Fuck, you're on fire. There it is. <laughs> what if I did all of those things? Mm-hmm. That would be such a waste for a podcast. <laughs> I'll be like, you guys, I swear to God, she's levitating right now. You're right. I promise. Learn to what? What's something you could see on a podcast, hear on a podcast? <sighs> Talk um, about your feelings. Le- Lebanon. We're going to have a Lebanon podcast. Oh, yes. You're, you should start talking about your Lebanon podcast okay. more. Okay. Cool. It's called Throw a Rock at It. <laughs> Is that racist? I think that might be problematic in yeah. some way. Steven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't start that war. <laughs> um, guys. <laughs> um, 
So that's all our business, right? We made announcements. That's all our business and then some. And then some, actually. (laughs) And it was none of your business. And it was, this was the none of your business corner. (laughs) So should we talk about murder? Are there any shows we didn't watch? Oh, I'll tell you what. Tell me what. What's, I have done quite a bit of binge watching. As my hair was getting greasy and I had to go to the store with my a split P. Anderson's hat on. Hell yeah, girl. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that little thanks. <laughs> That's my little fake thanks. Do you want more pillows? Thanks. I have all of them. I have four pillows and you have one. Yeah, thanks. 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 Um, wait, what was I telling you? Oh, okay. So I was digging deep on Netflix because, I mean, God bless all of you for still making suggestions and tweeting suggestions at me. But there's people who are tweeting things like, have you seen Luther? Girl, the girl that tweeted at me, have you seen Luther? Girl, yes. Like, yes, Uh I've seen fucking Luther. I haven't. You've never seen Luther? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, shit. I haven't seen a lot of stuff. I really, do you care for Idris Elba at all? Yes, of course I care for him deeply. Okay, then you need to get into that. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Well, so I was trying to go a little more obscure. And there's, there is a show called Murder Book that I have. Oh, I like that one. It's so good. Yeah, it's the the one guy, right? That's on it? Yeah, the, the, yeah. No, it's about a murder book is what they call a thing about the case. Exactly right. Yes. So it's almost kind of a cold case thing, but they just call it something different. Yeah. Because it ends up being about cold cases because they go back to the murder book. I love the opening sequence of that. Isn't it creepy? Yes. You know why I think it's creepy? Because I think it's models. (gasps) It's all those files. If you're listening, please watch the show. It's very well done. And it tells real good stories of true crimes, cold cases, whatever. But it's just produced really well. It is. And they have a lot of the people who really worked the case. It reminds me of the detective one that we were talking about on Netflix. Real detectives. Real detectives. Didn't, weren't you watching one about the occult that I tried to watch for three minutes and couldn't get into it? (laughs) You know why? Okay. That's a cult crime. Yeah. And I think it's because it's produced. I think a French company produces it Mm -hmm. because they have a lot of French talking heads that then are dubbed over. Mm -hmm. So you see their mouths moving, but then there's just a voice coming from nowhere that's talking over them. I think it's more that I think occult crimes are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. It's the same thing with like ghost hunters. It's like, well, the occult isn't a thing. It's crazy people making it up. So I don't care. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Although I love the occult. I what, really do. What part of it do you love? The mystery, so the outfits. Grown-up goths, like, yes. convincing crazy people to do insane things at their bidding. What is the bad part of what you just <laughs> said? It's so good. Uh, people do it. That's the thing. You know, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's just not for you. I guess it's almost like it's it's same thing too where it's like there's something I really like that idea if you take the occult part out. So like Jonestown I think is cool because it's this bigger than life person who is able to convince all these people to do things for him or to do you know the same thing with Manson's interesting too because he was able to convince all these people to do things and it's like but so you're then into you're plain like cults, but, but I not love Satan cult. too and Satan's real and it's like no he's fucking not. 
and then I get struck by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> How funny would that be? Smoke just starts coming up from behind the couch. It was so weird. <laughs> Georgia in her apartment just got struck by lightning. Ranting and ranting about how Satan isn't real until and he was forced to show up. Mimi got on her hind legs. Her <laughs> eyes rolled back in their head and she started. She was like, I will take you to the dark place yes. now. I am Mimi. Hear me roar. Mimi, no. Mimi, you were so cute. It's so funny because you'd picture her with like a girly voice. She actually has a very deep satanic voice. Voice. And then Elvis is like, I fucking told you she, this whole time I was trying to warn you guys that she sucked. <laughs> it sounded like you wanted Elvis to have a New York accent. Like, I fucking, I fucking told, told you. you. I fucking told you guys. This has gotten way off track. Um, <laughs> skippers, come back. <laughs> oh, <coughs> this was fun. No, because we were talking about a lot of people actually recommended occult crimes. That's how I found out uh. about it is... Because people were recommending. I'm sorry that I shit on the girl that recommended Luther. I adore you for tweeting at me. I didn't mean <laughs> you, to do you that. You should have tweeted just, at me because I don't know it. That's right. I just ended up putting um, Ikea furniture together last night and, and watching uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, which is pretty nice. So good. I love that show. I do too. I really love it. It's so goddamn it's packed full of jokes. So good. Brilliantly written. And also, it's akin to Bob's Burgers mm -hmm. in that when you watch it, it may, if you were in a bad, low place, it's up, up, up. It makes you feel happy. Definitely. It's so hilarious. Titus Andronicus Ugh. should be the president of the United States of America. I would be so happy. It would be so much better. Um, okay. So, all right. Girlfriends who are playing this podcast for their boyfriends on a road trip and who are like, no, you're going to love this podcast. Come back to us. We, that was good. I agree. Fuck okay, it. boyfriends were like to hit their girlfriends. I was also sexist what I just said. <laughs> this is the best part. Get ready for the boring part. Yeah, here comes the boring part. The point <laughs> of all of it. It's not how you get there. It's how you show up. It's how you get in your car. And drive there. And then drive there. Audi. For people who want to get to the point. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you guys. We're going to start doing car integrations during the podcast. You'll never know it's coming. We're just going to suggest to you to buy a certain type of car. And we get a free one, Audi. Now well, I get a I free Audi. One. I love an Audi. Uh, or a Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar. Jaguar. Remember What's... when a crow f uh, flew into your car and you're in the car? Dude. Okay, if you read that, I tweeted it, and I hate to be the kind of person that talks about their tweets no, in conversation. Nobody reads tweets. No, that's true. Um, people read mine. <laughs> um, no, Georgia and I are driving to our show that we did with the women that do the show Wild Horses here in Los Angeles. Um, it's like a storytelling, then, then improv show, and it's fucking awesome and so amazing and hilarious. Funny women. They're so great. So we got to go do that show. We were their, their guests. We're driving there together, talking, blah, blah, blah. I think I'm playing Delight. Yeah. <laughs> Just like living life, yeah. like LA girls. Yeah. Windows are down. Yeah. It's almost like a summer day. Blah, blah, blah. Out of the, my peripheral vision, like basically the corner of my left eye goes mm -hmm. dark. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh-oh, we're in an emergency situation. I turn my head and a crow, no joke, the wingspan was like four feet wide, looked like it was trying to make a dive landing yes. into the car and it's only because you were going like one mile over whatever we were going yes that it didn't fucking fly directly into the car yes i heard its wings i know it was and I, like it took us a few seconds when we passed it and then you go did a crow just try to fly in our car? And I was like, uh-huh. It, it definitely happened. It took so a minute. So insane. Yeah. It almost, I was like, was that crow sick? Was it like, you have to take me to the hospital right now? <laughs> like, it seemed desperate. 
wanted to hang out with us. It was like, oh my God, I love Delight. Oh my God. I love talking about nothing. <laughs> you guys, I'm a murderino because it's in a murder of crows. That's right. Something. The Ridge. I mean, it was, it's pretty funny. So a lot of people had that response to the tweet that it was a murder of crows. Mm-hmm. And we're fine. <sighs> Sorry. Again, not attacking you. <laughs> hey, um, Steven, who's going first today? It's you, I think. Is it me? Yeah. Karen's right. Ah. <laughs> I was right about number 72. I am fucking on this shit. Well, the oh. problem is Mimi's entire body weight is on my story. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. She looks so shocked. <laughs> She's like, how dare you pull your story out from under my body? This is the highway killer or the interstate killer. Now, okay. this is a serial killer that I had never heard of. I've seen this photo before, but I've never heard of him. And I found the like pretty straightforward story of like he killed this person, then he killed this person, then he killed this person, you know, like the story. And it was so devoid of any details that when I started looking into it, then suddenly it's like, no, this was way fucking bigger than you thought it was. So we're kind of learning this together. Can I guess which state it took place in? Yes. Texas? You were wrong. Fuck. Because it took place in a lot of states. Oh. Yes. I see. You tell me. All right. <laughs> I will. You don't want to make it up. I'm not going to guess the whole story. I thought guess. I should, but now I don't want to. Just guess. <laughs> guess it. Guess, guess, guess. Okay. From 1982 until 1984, a serial killer um, was killing young men. He was dubbed the interstate killer because his victims were mostly random hitchhikers. 20 to 23 were dead before he was caught. Um, the victims were stabbed and they were fa- bodies were found in parts of Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, and Wisconsin. What? Yeah. So the first victim. I really vi- thought I knew this and I do not know it at all. You know his face. Okay. It, this is crazy. Okay. So Jay Reynolds was the first victim. Um, he was found on March 22nd, 1982. He was found stabbed to death on the outskirts of Lexington, Kentucky. And all of these. Uh, Okay. Nine months later, on October 3rd, uh, 14-year-old Delvoid Baker was strangled. His body was dumped on the roadside of North, roadside north of Indianapolis. Then Stephen Crockett, who was 19, um, on October 20th. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeinincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye.
There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. My third was stabbed 32 times. Four of those wounds were to the head discarded outside Lowell, Lowell, Indiana. So then the killer goes to Illinois, and on November 6th, he leaves the body of Robert Foley in a field no- northwest of uh, Joliet. Joliet? Mm-hmm. Law enforcement is like, oh, oh there's a pattern, right? Uh, assail- assaults on young men, which back then we know wasn't something that was looked very deep. Like, if you look at any of these interstate killings of young men, not looked into very deeply. Um so stabbing and strangulation are present in every case. Mm. So then on Christmas of 1982, 25-year-old John Johnson's body is found dumped in a field outside Belshaw, Indiana. Three days later, 21-year-old John Roach is discovered near Belleville. And then the bound body of 23-year-old car wash employee of from Terre Haute. Uh, his name is Stephen um, Agen. A-G-A-N. Agen. Stephen Agen. He'd been stabbed to death and discarded north of Newport, Indiana. So then on June 6, 1983, an anonymous caller tells cops that he knows who the interstate killer is. Mm -hmm. He says that someone he knew had been picked up and attacked by the killer and had played dead after being assaulted. And so he knows who the person was. The man's name was um, Larry Eller. I'm sorry, Larry Eller. And he's arrested. Can I say his name correctly when you Steven that out? Uh, Steven that out. His name is... <laughs> Can you Steven that out? That's a new thing. <laughs> so leave that all in just for that. So actually leave that Holy in. Holy shit. Steven <laughs> that out. Steven that out, please. <laughs> I just ruined this. The man's name is Larry Eller and he is arrested. Okay, let's talk about Larry Eller. Mm-hmm. He's born in Crawfordsville, Indiana on December 21st, 1952. By the time he was a teen, his mother had married and divorced four times. Oh, Not that's good. too many. That's too many. He, I mean, that's fine for like, what? So like every three years. Yeah. I was trying to do the math. Yes. Yeah. He attends Catholic schools, has some difficulty. At 10 years old, he's sent to the Riley Child Guidance Clinic in Indiana, Indiana, where psychologists or psychological tests reveal normal intelligence, but in stream, extreme insecurity and great fear of separation and abandonment. Aww. You know, the staff of the clinic said that his home environment was unstable and chaotic and recommend that he be sent to live elsewhere. 
So at the age of 12, he went to live in a Catholic boy's home. Oh, no. I know. Where he stayed for five months. Um, little did they know. Little. Or did they know? It was later said by a forensic psychiatrist that his his history was one of the worst cases of child abuse he had seen in 20 years in the field. Oh, no. Yeah. So there's not a lot of details about it, but they like hint at things, but they don't go too deep into it. Um, like you can't find details except for one thing about one of his stepdads would pour hot water on his head when he was like mad at him. Or oh. It's just like that's, you know, and that's horrible. But there wasn't a lot of other information about it. So he dropped out of high school in his senior year, worked odd jobs for a couple of years. Um, and not long after leaving high school, he joined the monastery. Um, and then he quit the monastery. So Larry uh, Eller is struggling all his life to cope with what turns out to be his homosexuality. Oh. So he was simultaneously fast fascinated and repelled by it. He hated himself for it, but he couldn't help himself. I so, bet the Catholic boys' home did a lot of good for that issue. I bet you're right. Yeah. That was all sar sarcasm. That was total sarcasm. So he killed his first victim at around 30 years old. Larry was arrested for the assault um, that the anonymous caller caller had called in. But the case was dropped when um, Eiler gave the victim money and the victim was like, fine, I'm out of here. Which is totally understandable. You don't want to relieve this whole trauma for no reason. Yeah. Um, the bodies of young men then continued to be found throughout the spring of 1993, with most of the action shifting to Illinois. By July 2nd, the body count stood at 12. Mm. Some of the victims had been mutilated after death, and a few had been disemboweled. Whoa. Yeah. The 13th victim was Ralph Khaleesi, and he was found on August 31st, dumped in a field near Lake Forest, Illinois. He had been dead less than 12 hours when he disappeared and was discovered. He was bound with clothesline and a surgical tape, stabbed 17 times, and his pants were pulled down around his ankles. Then, on October 30th, 1983, in Indiana, a highway patrolman spotted a pickup truck parked along the Interstate 65. Two men were walking towards a bunch of trees. He stops them. One was bound. And when the officer went to investigate, he identifies Larry Eiler as the owner of the truck. <laughs> he, so the cop catches him as he's about to lead someone into the forest. Bound. Already tied up. Yeah. And the guy says, uh, he told me he'd give me money, you know, for, uh, for sex. He asked if he could tie me up and we were walking out towards the field. So the guy at that point was actually, it's voluntary because he thinks, yeah. oh, I'm just going to get paid. Yeah. And I'm fine to do this. Yes. So then when the officer searches the truck, he finds surgical tape, clothesline and a hunting knife that's stained with blood. So Eiler is taken in for questioning. And when the forensic experts uh, check the blood, they match it with that of uh, Khaleesi, who had been found previously. They were also able to match the tire tracks left at the Khaleesi site with that of Eiler's truck. And uh, police were like, this is enough to put him behind bars. But uh, they let him go while they continued the investigation. Yeah, they can't just hold him. No. Yeah. So while the investigation continued in the Khaleesi murder, Eiler is set free. Then on October 4th, 1983, 14-year-old Derek Hansen is found dismembered near... Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sorry, 14? Mm-hmm. Oh. A lot of young, young kids. 
11 days later, a young John Doe is discovered near Renelsier, Indiana. That one I don't know. I only know Kenosha because my friend grew up right near it. Okay, that was a good one. So I've heard him say it. Rensselaer. Rensselaer. Spell it. R-E-N-S-S-E-L-A-E-R. I got lost at the two S's. (laughs) (laughs) Rensselaer. Rensselaer. Is it bear? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got that one wrong. That was not my... What was it? Baxter? I th- it looks like ba- it's spelled with an X in the middle. And everyone's yeah. like, it's pronounced bear. Last. It's like, well, you're just changing the rules of reading. Yeah. Now. Then you're actually, you're wrong. It's not <laughs> last week. You, why don't you call the mayor and tell them that he's wrong? Well, guess what? I am the mayor. <laughs> what? I just made myself the mayor. She just bear. took off a, a mask and revealed that she is in fact the mayor. It's true. Um, okay. Okay. Almost two weeks later. Uh, another John Doe is found near Effingham, Illinois, and two other victims, Richard Wayne and another unidentified male, were found dead outside of Indianapolis. Then on October 18th, 1983, a couple is hunting for mushrooms at an abandoned Indiana farm, hanging out. They're like, we found mushrooms here before. Let's get some more. Right? Yeah. For either for a salad or to trip out all day long. Yeah. Whatever this couple is into is their business. It's their business. They've been there before. They're not there to hurt anyone. But That's they right. are there to find two skulls lying <gasps> near a dilapidated barn. No. Uh-huh. So we can at least assume that they were stoned on pot. Yeah. If they're out looking for mushrooms. And they're freaking out, man. And then they stumble upon like remains. That's awful. Yeah. Those poor hippies. I know. Nana actually turns out that they're also businessmen. <laughs> well, it turns out they're the murderers. No, oh, no, no, I get it. Uh, so many twists. They're also businessmen murderers. Oh my god! Finally, that's the that's the area I want to fi- I want to go into. It's all of it. I want the murders that happen inside of the Enron building. <gasps> Do you think any did? I mean, they could have. It has to be at least one. There has to. There were so many people in that building. Yeah, everyone was like. Like on a lot of pressure. Yeah. Okay. They had to either sell or buy or depending kill on their business. <gasps> That's sell, buy, or sell, kill. Buy, or kill on Lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. write no. it down. I don't know. What about a grocery one called Sell by Dead? No. <laughs> like a sell by sell date? Sell by date. <laughs> and then it's like, sell death. by colon dead. Dead. No, I no, love it. I love good. this. Okay. We can keep working on that one. But the other one about Enron is perfect. It's sold. It they sold it already. Great. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay. There's an abandoned Indiana farm. They find two skulls lying together north of the barn off U.S. Highway 41, just across the Illinois state line in Newton County. Way to go, Newton County. Yeah. How simple you are to pronounce and read. Thank you. <laughs> I'm only doing murders from places that are just... <laughs> One syllable, but it's two syllables. Just town. Yeah. Something town. No X's. Nothing. No double S's. Mm -mm, mm -mm. When police get to the scene, they then find two other bodies. Whoa. Near that barn? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the victims had been decapitated and all had had their pants pulled down and they had been stabbed to death. Two of the victims were identified. Michael Bauer, which is my friend's ex-boyfriend's name. He was a 23-year-old pizza deliverer. Last seen taking out the trash at his parents' Portage Park home, mm. which what a fucking bummer. Yes. And John Bartlett, who's 19, who was staying with his sister in Chicago after being discharged from the army. You know, by this time, police were like, this is clearly Larry Eiler. They fucking knew it was him. Another victim who had survived his attack identified photographs of Eiler 
Um, and another survivor came in and was like, yep, happened to me too. But the investigators wanted him for homicide. So um, their circumstantial evidence was still incomplete. So they wouldn't arrest him. Yep. So Larry Eiler at this point is under constant surveillance in Chicago. And because of this, he files a suit against the Lake County Sheriff's Office, accusing them of mounting a, quote, psychological welfare Nope. Psychological <laughs> warfare, not welfare. That'd be a good thing. <laughs> Campaign to unhinge his mind. Right. Yes. That's what they do. Well, That's what all the police are trying to do right. to this one guy. Yeah. Who happens to also be a child molesting murderer. Yes. Um, his claim for half a million dollars is denied. What? Yep. He he's not the it. victim in this scenario? No. Turns How out. odd. And as he's leaving the courtroom, Eiler is arrested for Ralph Khaleesi's murder. Wow. That's sweet ass timing on those police uh, yeah. people's part. They were just like, oh yeah, you want to go in and try to, you want to yeah. try to sue the city? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. We'll meet you out here. Don't get too stoked yet though, Karen. Uh. Yeah. He's held in lieu of a million dollars in bond. But in the pretrial hearing, February 5th, 1984, all the evidence re recovered from Eiler's truck the night they found him with the guy who was bound gets excluded. Why? Because the night that they found him in the truck, they held him without arrest in the uh, in the in the jail for over 12 hours oh which you're not allowed to do yep you have to have a reason to hold him there that's right like arresting him so he's wow. released on bail <sighs> i know it's a real bummer man it's crazy it's crazy when it happens when it's a serial killer it's not this isn't a shoplifter yeah it's not like someone's rights were slightly stepped on who was you know, like a slumlord or something. Yeah. Bad, very bad. But this is a person who is out, a predator that's intentionally killing innocent people every well, day. Here's what gets even worse oh. is now he goes on to kill a bunch of people. Okay. After this. Right. Because they couldn't hold him. Right. So on May 7th, 1984, 22-year-old David Block was found murdered near Zion, Illinois. His wounds also was the pattern of everyone else who had been killed already. Um. Okay, so then August 21st, 1984 A janitor of an apartment house In Chicago Goes to take out the garbage um, And empty the garbage can And they're overflowing with gray bags gray, Like nice gray trash bags And mm -hmm. this guy uh, his, his last name is Bala uh, he's like, those trash bags aren't what my tenants use. My tenants use cheaper bags. <laughs> he knew they weren't his tenants because they were nice trash bags. And yeah. he's like, my tenants are pieces of shit. They don't buy this stuff. <laughs> they don't buy hefty. They buy fucking yeah. 99 cent store shit. Yeah. So it made him suspicious. And he says, quote, I was very pissed off a little bit. So I opened one up, ripped it open. I was very curious. What the hell am I throwing out? He says, can you imagine what his accent sounded like? This is Chicago, right? This is a Chicago... Uh, janitor yeah yeah in the like building manager guy yeah <laughs> who gets pissed about garbage yeah what am i throwing out what i just want to know i just want to know you putting your garbage in here i, I want to know the accent no, what's steven what's the accent for steven, chicago to chicago hey i'm throwing at the garbage here <laughs> well done get, get angry though <laughs> i'm throwing at the fucking garbage here <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> 
<laughs> Steven that, that out. That turned over into into triple Chicago. Yeah. That was amazing. It's just like harder accent is angrier. <laughs> yep. Um, so, of course, he's <laughs> opening the bags and guess what? A leg slips out. No. Falls uh, to the ground. Yeah. So eight within eight bags are the remains of 15 or 16. I can't tell year old um, hustler. Danny Bridges. He's like 15 or 16. He's a child sex worker, hustler. Ugh. You know, the streets of Chicago back then. Can you imagine seeing a 15 year old like working the streets and stuff? In the 80s? Yeah. yeah probably the 90s too, let's be honest. Like, I can't right believe. up till today. <sighs> well, yeah. so Danny Bridges is, is a known sex worker by Chicago Police Special Investigations, Investigations Unit. They had been established to combat child pornography and the sex abuse of children. And they actually had worked with Danny to get his story to people who were advocating for teen sex workers. So there's a couple channels doing news stories. I guess there's video of him talking to them, uh, like doing news news stories. Oh. I can't find them and I would fucking love to see them. This kid looks so like he just looks like he's knows too much about life. So 15 the, years old. Yeah. He's a freshman in high school. Well, he really, I don't think he goes to school at this point. Yeah, but I, know, I mean, just yeah. the equation of like, if he had rich parents, yeah. if he grew up in Evanston yeah. and was, you know, had a little Izod sweater on and mm. was listening to fucking the specials. There we go. Topsiders. Maybe be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was warned by the Chicago Special Police to stay away uh, from from um, this guy, from Eller. That like everyone is like, stay the fuck away from this guy. We're trying to get him. He's a murderer of yeah. people you know. Stay away from him. Okay, but later, one member of the Special Investigations Unit. Acknowledged in the book What Cops Know by Connie Fletcher that the unit encouraged child prostitutes to have sex with adults in order to make arrest, as in they would set them up like a yes. sting operation. Right. Um, which I know is super inflammatory, but it's in this book. I didn't say it. The quote. Well, is, that was basically the practice was they're using these children as bait so they can get these bad guys. That's the only way they can actually lure them out. Right. They but, can't use legal people to do it. Even though it was completely... But ethically, they should be using evidence that's not putting a child at risk. Exactly. I mean, that's the... Like, a, yeah, I guess even if it was like a, someone who was of age and they were working with the police for some reason, but this is just like so dark and deep. Well, these days they would just use people who are right. looking, it would be a 21 jump street. Yeah. Sex worker addiction. Addic addiction. Yes. And addiction. So he said... The, the quote from the SIU investigator says, our opinion, opinion is that you should go out and find the crime. What better way to prove, um, and have him, what better way to prove the crime than to get it in progress or to follow someone home and have him go to bed with a kid? Is what this guy said in this book. Yeah. yeah. 82, 84. 80, this was, this book was written in 91. Oh no. I know. So, so it seems that, that they acknowledge that the unit encouraged child sex workers to have sex with adults in order to make arrests. Right. So, uh, and it also, Danny Bridges was needed to testify in pending child pornography trials. So this kid was like deep in it and he gets killed. So 
in, in one of the NBC videos, a reporter asks in 1984, asks Danny Bridges about Eiler. And he says, yeah, I knew him. He was a real freak. He used to come around uptown and hang around. So this kid, Danny Bridges, knows about Eiler. And the question then is, why would he go home with him if he already knew he was a creep? So Danny Bridges is going to get into a car with a guy that he knows is a creep? No, unless maybe he was doing it for the police oh is kind of the question right which is one yeah yeah. it's like literally live bait like worst case scenario and it was never i mean this is just like something i found in a bunch of little articles which i'll name at the end of this so so perhaps the whole thing was a sting that went wrong because danny did get killed yeah so how the fuck does that happen like you that's so that's the craziest version of that story where it's just like like if the cops were using him as bait then what excuse in the world could they have to then somehow lose track of him you know what i mean like that would be the only if you're letting a child get into the car with a known serial killer you can't like oh whoops they took a wrong turn i mean like that's insanity well here's the other part of this that gets in here somewhere is that they think that larry eiler might have had an accomplice oh because danny's fingerprints were never found on larry eiler's car so maybe someone else picked him up, brought him back there. Wow. I know. It's really complicated. Okay. But also usually, isn't that rare that serial killers would have, like, have an accomplice or work with someone else? I would think so, but who knows? I mean. I'll ask. Would you my, ask? I'll ask my friend. <laughs> I'll ask my friend at the FBI. Would you ask your accomplice, your serial killer accomplice? <laughs> I'll ask my boss. That's the guy you're working with to mm-hmm. kill people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so witnesses, you know, after they find the the, bo- the body parts in the garbage bags, witnesses say they saw a man who lived next door, put the bags in the trash, and he is um, Eiler, who's 31 years old at this time. So he just took the garbage to the place next door? Mm-hmm. I'm not, not During sure. the day. Um, he wanted to get caught. <laughs> or he was just really stupid. So Larry Eiler is convicted of murder. Um, and he of Danny Bridges and my Lord, she's being real. She's all over the map. Okay. He's convicted of murder and aggravated kidnapping of Danny Bridges in October 3rd, 1986. He's sentenced to die. Then in November of 1990, he's bargaining to save himself from execution. He agrees to help Indiana authorities solve a number of his crimes if they would get him off death row. So he confesses to the, t- the killing of the um, Agin torture slaying and surprised investigators by naming an alleged accomplice. Accomplish? I keep saying words wrong today. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me today. Oh, I'm having a stroke. It's all right. <coughs> um, accomplice. So 53-year-old Robert David Little, he's the chairman of the Department of Library Science at Indiana State University. What? Um, and this murder of uh, Agin happens when he's staying with um with larry as a guest and according to eiler little took the photos and masturbated while larry disemboweled the victim oh so he's like let's pick up boys you do this i'll do that so he's like part of it and it's kind of his like this guy uh dr little is like his sugar daddy he's like paying for his places to live he used to be a student of dr little and they're like working together. What the fuck? Yeah, it's some real twisted shit that they better fucking make a 
movie out of because well, also I'm because confused. He's a he's a uh, professor of library science. Uh-huh. So there's like a real that you could make that a super creepy in the stacks style murder yeah. story. Who would play him? I'm already wondering. Mm. I mean, are you watching Fargo and how amazing what's his name is? Ewan McGregor? Oh, my God. But the woman, um, I don't know her name offhand. Who's also in The Leftovers? Yes. She's amazing. She's so good. Those two characters are so different. I am loving... Mary Stewart something or other, not Masterson. Mary Stewart Little? No. (laughs) Mary Beth... Mary Beth... Mary Macbeth. It's Mary Macbeth (laughs) from the play. I am loving the, the young hot girl, though. Are you caught up? Yes. You mean the one she's playing? Who's also playing the sheriff? That's not her. The pol- or the police chief, I mean? The girl with the short bra- black hair? Yeah, that's that's the Ewan McGregor's, the dumpy brother's girlfriend is the same okay. as the chief. Hold the fuck up. Yes. No, no, no. Wait. I'm wait. the one that gets to tell you this? I told this to Vince and he's like, no. Well, Vince is straight up wrong. No. Yes. Vince, I mean, I almost not yelled at Stephen. <laughs> Vince! Vince! We're getting a divorce. <laughs> Steven, is this true? Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Is yes. that who you're thinking of? Yeah. Yes. She's playing both characters. Um, it doesn't say on the main Wikipedia page, but if Come we on, go Wikipedia. deeper, we go deeper. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, hmm. Who's the, it's her. <laughs> she, she plays. I'm telling Nikki, you eyeliner. Yeah. Nikki. Nikki Swango. Nikki Swango's the girlfriend that's rock and roll. Yeah. And she plays her. The chief. She's the chief and Wikipedia is failing me right now. <gasps> I'm like, Steven, I am so mad at you. Steven, right you're going to get Steven out of here. You, everything you have to say from now on is in a Chicago accent. <laughs> oh, no. IMDb Fargo season three. <laughs> you're going to have to put this on pause. Uh, season know. three. If I get this before you, Steven, you're fucking fired. Steve, <laughs> well, he's trying to hold a microphone and then do it with one finger. Well, that's his problem. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. No, I think you're wrong. No way. Carrie Coon is the chief. What? Yep. It's two different actresses? Mary Elizabeth something. God, I thought I she thought was... thought so. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Sorry. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's only the girlfriend? Mm-hmm. I've had the, so many conversations <laughs> about how amazing... Including with me because I was like, uh-huh, I agreed with you a couple weeks ago. They look so much alike. I asked Vince if it was the same person, too, because I agree. We always have to believe Vince now. Why? Yes. That's, he's me, never wrong. He's never wrong. Never. He also doesn't say shit like I do where I'm like, no, I'm positive. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're right. I'm wrong. I do that shit all the well, time. Well, I also, I, listen. Look. Look and listen. <laughs> uh, you said that like, she plays two characters and I didn't want to be like, I think you're wrong. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, you see. always got to say if you think I'm wrong. It happens a lot. Have you tried telling yourself, telling you that you think you're wrong? Uh, if you're confronting I don't like me. arguing. No, no, no. I just think I don't like... <laughs> I would rather assume that I'm wrong because I usually am. Okay. What was that thing I said the other day? The, the cockles of your heart? Hackles. I said cockles. Yeah. <laughs> no, again, you said something about getting oh, it raises your, your... I don't want to get my... You said some, something about the... I said I don't want my... You said something about the cockles You don't want to get your cockles up. Right. And the, but it was hackles. This is why I don't argue when people tell me a thing. I know, but I feel like, it's th- okay, well, I would also, when I'm positive about something, it almost changes the fact I get so positive. I, I believe think we're, you. We're, we're exactly the same way. I believe in that you. Way. You yeah. do this, the same oh, thing where yeah. it's like, oh, no, 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 look it up. 
Yeah. Like, let's wait until you see this that I'm right. I don't under, but here's the thing. This happens all the time in casting. Why are you casting yeah. two women who look ex, all I thought was that the, uh, that the, that the police chief woman just had less eyeliner and a different haircut. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is brilliant that they're making her look a little bit older simply by not because the brothers are the same person, so why couldn't this be that too? I thought it was. I thought it was was I thought it was like a theme. I did too. I did too. I think I stopped thinking that when Vince said no. <laughs> so I would have doubled down. And then he hit me. <laughs> right uh, in the face. Oh yeah. So I was like, okay, he's right. <laughs> um and I think she is killing it. So who do you think is killing it then? The chief. I love the chief. I think now the girlfriend, Mary Elizabeth is fucking it's suddenly about her yes and i fucking am like at first i was like who like what's this peripheral character and now it's about her and i fucking love her yeah she's i think i like them both a lot but i I did too but i'm i wasn't i knew that this the other carrie was good in the leftovers so i wasn't worried about that but this chick is awesome i'm mad i just think she's now i think she's bad no i'm just (laughs) kidding i just thought that it was this amazing job of when you are the kind of girl that dresses rock and roll yeah. like the, the like the hot girlfriend, you have a kind of aura about you that looks like that. And when you are a woman yeah. that is just trying to fucking get some shit done and have people listen to you, you look like Carrie Coon, mm-hmm. which is kind of a all business hair haircut and not a lot of makeup mm-hmm. and not a lot of that and a lot of just like I'm not trying to do anything. And it seemed like this perfect presentation of like when what you do with your womanly attractiveness based on the job you have or based on what you're trying to get done with your job and it's this thing too of like you can either use the fact that you're hot or pretty or you cannot but the one way isn't better than the other exactly right they're both it's up to you in both ways and they're both very effective i just loved that presentation yeah. i'm like i was giving it so much fucking credit <laughs> you need like, to call a couple of people you were at parties with i'm so mad right now of like me holding forth on what, what it means philo- you know philosophically and representationally of the woman's role or whatever i wonder how like, many people different like actress have, ar- have argued your point once they believed you at parties or whatever I, let's not act like i go to a bunch of parties <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody but the two of you in, those in like Hollywood, a month. So. Those Hollywood parties and our therapist. <laughs> Wait, our, oh, that's right. I just tried to tell our therapist. Um, okay, she anyway. has been in. Oh, she was in Scott Pilgrim. Okay. She's cute. Okay. I'm oh, done. Rock and Roll Girl was the girlfriend in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Yes, she's great. And she was in 10 Cloverfield Lane. She's great. Swiss I love Army that movie. Man. Okay. She's been in some cool shit. What about Carrie Coon? She's been. She's from the leftovers. She's from the leftovers. Isn't that enough for you? It is. <laughs> That's plenty. Um, let's see here. She Sh- is. Sh- in... Should we be doing more Wikipediaing, or should you finish oh, your story? Sh- oh, I'm not done. <laughs> Fuck. I thought I was done. Fuck. God damn it. I don't want to keep going. Listen, he's a fucking asshole. He died of AIDS. <coughs> oh God. No, really? really, he dies of AIDS. Yeah. Fuck. Sorry, that was the end of the fucking story. I mean, um, okay, hey, I'm almost done. He has a he has a guy who does it with him. That's the darkest. I feel like that's the darkest. That's probably why we just took a serious left turn. Sure, like, like we just touched into the darkest area possible, which is serial a team of serial killer situation. Yeah, 
Fuck that. Also against children. Totally. Totally. So based on his confession, Larry Eiler receives a 60 year prison sentence on top of what he's been going on through. In return, he agrees to testify against Dr. Little, who's arrested on the murder charges. Um, And in the absence of physical evidence to support Eiler's statement, Little is acquitted of all charges in 1991. So, okay, later, Larry Eiler's attorney finds out that Dr. Little had been paying for Larry Eiler's defense. So Larry's testifying against Dr. Little for the prosecution, but has a financial relationship with the prosecution's lead witness. And a legal duty to his client, and it's all crazy fucked up. So that shouldn't have happened. However, okay, back in Illinois. But it happened anyway, basically? It did. But they didn't figure that out until a long time later. Back in Illinois, um, Larry offers to clear 20 murders in exchange for uh, commutation of his sentence to life imprisonment. The state authorities say no. And then I wrote dicks because... There, there were more murders going on after Larry Eilers was put into prison that were very similar to what was going on when he was killing people. Was it Dr. Library Little? It was someone else who worked in a similar manner. And Larry Eilers is like, yo, I'll tell you everything and I'll put all of this to bed if you just don't kill me. And this guy who was like, um, this was the new something district attorney thank you and he was like no we put him uh jack o'malley he was the cook county state attorney he could keep him keep eiler in jail for the rest of his life solve more than 20 old 20 old murders help bring to justice a killer or killer still in the loose and save taxpayers taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars in appeal costs but good old jack o'malley said a bird in the hand is better than 20 in the bush literally said that so he said no so he was basically saying killing this one guy mm-hmm. is worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. So Larry Eiler dies of AIDS on March 6, 1994, at 41 years old. Kathleen Zellner handles Eiler's appeals. She describes the killings. He tells her all about all the killings over the last three years before he dies. And she convinces him... She convinces him to let her release his confession after his death. So she released a list of 21 killings to which she said Eiler confessed and that he said he had an accomplice for four of the killings. He took a polygraph text text that supported all of these things. So it's all true, maybe, probably. Yeah, pretty much. So I don't know if you recognize the name Kathleen Zellner. Um, is it the It makeup pr- products that, like, make your... Zellner for... <laughs> uh, don't get a case of the Mondays, uh... Will mm, exonerate your pores. I don't know. Is that what you mean? <laughs> trying to think of stuff. You're just, <laughs> you were, were going on my riff. I thought you were giving me clues oh. for who she really could be. No, no, no. Oh my god, I was. I was just like, what? Oh, I, shit. how should I know that? Puzzles? Oh no, no. I was going off your riff badly. <laughs> you couldn't tell because they were very bad. So will exonerate your pores. I disagree. <laughs> I think you did great. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm honored. You're saying that because it's my birthday. No, I'm not. No, I never do that. Okay. One Miss Kathleen Zellner, who, by the way, if this had been turned into a movie like it was supposed to called Privileged Information, would have been played by Jessica Beale, is also now Steve Avery's new appellate attorney. <gasps> From Wisconsin, <gasps> that making a murderer? Mm-hmm. 
So she is a defense attorney. She's an she's on appeals. She's the appeals attorney. Once you get convicted, she comes in and is like, let's see if we can turn this around. So she that's what she did for him in that she found out that he, that his whole defense had been paid for by the person he ended up fingering. Oh, his Dr. Little. So she was like, like what the fuck? So she basically she goes through everything from the trial and is like, here's what this fucked up. Here's what that fucked up. We're going to go back and appeal all of this based on this, not based on even whether or not you did it. Or based on, you know, it's purely legal. It's like yeah, that the prosecutors guy didn't talked about turn over enough this evidence they were supposed to. Did you know. this get did this go by the book? Right. Which might or not mean that the guy is guilty, but it doesn't matter because it's you know, process. So she do process. Yeah. Which is great. Good for her. All right. <laughs> That's not what I meant. George is like, I'm being forced to say this. Yeah. No, I mean that, though. It's like, you know, it's the thing that fucking guy Brenham says to us, too, which is like, it doesn't matter. You have to give them a, a good fight. Right. Which is like, no, but I'm in jail forever. <laughs> All right. So a bunch of 11 bodies after his arrest, uh, 11 bodies turn up in rural counties in Ohio and Indiana. All the same age, ligature marks, all this shit. Um, and then. So. Mm, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Dr. Fucking Little? Is he the one doing it? I don't, you can't find information about this shit. Oh, I want to give a shout out to, um, this, the, the article really that sums up everything really well was called The Return of Larry Eiler from the Chicago Reader in 1992. And it's written by John Conroy. And it really is the best article you can read of it. And then there's a couple other ones here and there that give some information, but it's so hard to find anything. Right. Um, but this The Return really of Larry Eiler. I want to read that. It's, it's just such a fucked up case. I hope I told that well enough. And I know I was like, I didn't say words correctly sometimes, which is how I do things. But <laughs> hey, it's your birthday. It's my birthday. Uh, no, my that's mouth is dry. Amazing. Well, now I just want to, now I'm so mad and want to know. Uh, it also, that sounds like such a dumb political stance of, yeah, we are going to kill him because we got the chance to kill him and he deserves to be killed. So we're going to kill him. Well, this, this guy was also like, it was his first death penalty that he had gotten and they were all proud of that so he didn't want to give it up and seem yeah. like a pussy right um and so all these parents whose kids had disappeared and they didn't know where they were and people who thought it was going to keep happening were like give this guy life in prison he's not going to get out and this chick kathy or katherine zellner was also like because the the guy was like, well, what if he then gets out in 30 years because we took the death penalty away? And she like proved that he wouldn't because of these because of this other um, this other thing he got found guilty of. So it was never going to happen anyways. And this guy just like, wouldn't yeah, hear he's it. admitting to 20 murders yeah. and you give him a life sentence. He he won't get out no. in 20 life sentences with no parole. He wouldn't have. Oh, that's fucking heavy. Yeah. So it's just, it's just fucking sad and crazy that we've never heard. It's just another one of those, like, you know, a disenfranchised group of people are getting killed. So nobody cares. And it's not a big deal to anyone. Right. Except their families. So why prosecute hard or what, you know? It's, what? And, yeah. And no, it's nothing against the cops. And actually, there's one John Doe that one of the um, counties had. They could never find out who it was. So they, all the, cops there paid for a funeral for him and like and like went to the funeral and visit the grave and got him a a headstone and it's like it's not it's just 
It's just shitty. It's man. so shitty. Yeah. It's such hard work and that's so shitty. Yeah. Well, and you know, this made me think of in just a pull out bigger picture thing because we, even since I was in high school, being in high school in the eighties, the, the difference of the way people talk about being gay people treat gay people it is exactly the opposite of how when i was a teenager Mm. and so i think younger people don't appreciate it as much but this is such a great example of people going like oh you know men marrying men or women marrying women what's next or whatever all that kind of shit it's such a like when you look at how when you repress Mm -hmm. and oppress people and tell them that they can't be who they are, the kind of things, the kind of psychological damage that that causes and what that can turn into in certain people, obviously not always, because, but the idea of that, that people back then, not that long ago, were, were absolutely forced to not only deny who they were, but to some were made to despise who they Mm -hmm. were to the point of having to kill it's such a fucking heavy concept. Well, what's crazy too is if like for the victim side, it's, it's also that thing of like when you, when you make fun of people for that thing and you make them less human mm-hmm. and less, you identify with them less as a human being. And so when these horrible things happen to them, you can't have empathy for them because you don't think they are normal human beings. Right. And the other thing I was going to say was something really poignant about, <laughs> uh, well, that, I mean, on top of that, which is an incredibly poignant thing to say, what you just said is kind of, it almost like that argument that was so popular online uh, five years ago or whatever of like, everything's funny, rape is funny, anything is funny. It, it Like maybe in your small group of friends that could be true to you and the people mm-hmm. who are just like you. Mm-hmm. But in the larger scheme of things, that's exactly right. It's it's dehumanizing to people and it's uh and it's dehumanizing to situations where it's like but that's actually not the case for everyone and this it feels like these days the attempt almost subconscious societal you know as a human race we're just trying to be more connected and Mm -hmm. more empathetic to each other no matter who that other person is and so if that person isn't like you and might not laugh at those same jokes as you of course you can still tell whatever fucking joke you want but the idea is are you going to make a human connection or not are you going to cancel that connection forever because you so value your momentary need to say whatever the fuck you want and I think more and more people are being what the fuck is wrong with you that you need to make fun of these people and I think what's really cool nowadays too is like we're so much more willing to call people out on their shit yeah like why are you making a rape joke and when you do make a rape joke with five of your friends you don't know if one of them has been raped and so they're never going to come forward because you're making it a joke yeah and i think that people are more willing to call other people out on it now and there is a psychological thing with people who can make jokes about that that there's something fucking wrong with them a hundred percent i think that's really what it's turning into is as opposed to talking about this as a need uh, or a right or anything like that. Yeah. It's just like, well, actually, it's just a reflection on you, yeah. which is really what it, I mean, it, it, it's all of these, it's a very complex thing. It's, it's all of these things at once, but ultimately, like for me as a person, it just makes me think of you as a person less. Yeah. Definitely less. I just yeah. don't talk about that I think of you less. Yeah. But I absolutely think of you less yeah. in the same way that, like, there are a lot of people who didn't grow up while AIDS was a thing. Yeah. I was, I can remember the news report when they first reported AIDS 
as an issue in the Bay Area. I remember it. I remember mm-hmm. how my parents reacted. I remember the moment. I think I was like 11 mm-hmm. and growing up under this unbelievably scary, dark thing of AIDS. And then having my friend Ken Mason, who was one of my closest friends from sixth grade through high school, mm-hmm. um, died when he was 22 mm-hmm. years old because oh he was closeted and because he got AIDS. Oh. Uh, 20, 22 or 23. I'm it so was sorry. It was very, very sad. But like when people make AIDS jokes, I don't go never make that yeah. joke again or whatever. I just go, oh, you don't get it. That's who like, you are. You don't get, but also that you don't get it. It's yeah. almost like proclaiming your ignorance of, of lack of empathy, but also just that you haven't really been through life that yeah. much. You haven't lived. You're probably kind of spoiled. Yeah. Both your parents are probably still alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you decide that you get to make whatever race joke, you get to say the N word, you all this shit that you think you can do mm-hmm. just reflects on you. It's yeah. just about the quality of your character. Totally. Why am I still talking? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Steven, Steven, all that out, please. <laughs> Put Steven it out. Let's all make this a mini-sode. Steven it out. Steven it out. That's going to be our, like, break music. Steven it out. Won't you Steven it out? <laughs> Always go up at the end. Steven it out. Steven it out. It out. Okay, it's time to have an honest conversation. Finally. Yes. About what? About mattresses. Ugh. Finally. Um, and the mattress that we want to talk to you about is Casper. It's a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. The Casper mattress. Come on, that's music to our ears. The mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. But, but- no, go ahead. <laughs> no, you say it. But the Casper combines supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Mm. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Have, uh, <laughs> no, really. I mean, I use mine, but I don't have trouble sleeping at all anymore. They have free shipping and returns <laughs> to the U.S. and Canada. <laughs> You try Casper mattresses for 100 nights, risk-free. 100 nights. Where? In your home. No. Yes, it has to be in your own home. You can't bring this mattress all (laughs) fucking around town like you like to do. If you don't love it, they will come and pick it up and refund you everything, including including hurt feelings. (laughs) Listen, it's designed, developed, assembled in the U.S. of A. Um, For the U.L. U-L-L. Y'all-L. Y'all? Go to the Y'all-L. Casper.com slash murder. Is that right? Yeah. Casper.com slash murder. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash murder and and using the promo code murder. And just please remember that terms and conditions apply. Just never forget that. And just always keep that in the forefront of your mind. I mean, in life. It's very true in life. Don't forget it. There's going to be terms. And after that, Conditions. Always. Every time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, let me tell that story one more time. <laughs> My murder story one more time. Good just practice. to get it just to get it right. Right. And did I make we'll... a lot of mistakes in the beginning of that? Can I redo it, Steven? Not right now. But... He has all your fixes in there. No, but like the words I miss said. I'm just gonna put Natalie in between. Oh them. no, Natalie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um do you want me to do mine? Uh, yeah, for okay. sure. Always and forever. Okay. Here's mine. 
This I got, I was watching Forensic Files, as we all, I think, I swear to God, I think someone just very recently tweeted at me, do you watch Forensic Files? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, Karen is the hot answer, about this. The stuff. answer is yes. If there's a policeman in it, I've at least watched it one time. That's the rule. Also, people are recommending BBC things. We don't have it yet. Don't ask me if, it, if it's a brand new... Okay, take this out. <laughs> this, I've gone too far. Okay. I'm watching Forensic Files, oh. and I have a recovered memory of the best <gasps> Forensic Files I've ever seen. And I'm like, how come I haven't done this one before? That's insane. I love it. I love, I love when that happens. Right? And you're like, oh my God. Why haven't I... And it's like a big... So... Yeah. This, when I watched this on Forensic Files the first time, I remember standing up and going like, no way or something. Oh, it's a, it was one it. of those. So I'm I was like, so excited. gotta look this up, gotta find my info. And it is insane. Mm. And it's an LA one. I want everyone to know that the word insane by Karen's hand gestures was written in lights. <laughs> you did the written in lights across. Above my, it was like a Liza Minnelli Broadway move. Uh-huh. Insane. It was like if... um. Yeah, like a cartoon, then could put up sparkly lights. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code space 80. Goodbye. That said insane. That said insane. It was gorgeous. Okay, so this is um the pillow pyro. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> right? So you may remember this, I don't know. You're a little too young. Throughout the 80s in Southern California, there was a spate of arson fires that killed families. It cost Tens of millions oh of dollars God. went on for years um, and baffled authorities. And sometimes arson fires were being set up to three times a day. Holy shit. In the Southland, as they like to call it on the news here in and Los in Angeles. One TV show that got canceled. I oh, think. Southland, the That's best, good. starring Sean Hattesey. Um, okay, so 
All of this is I'm retelling you a forensic files. It's one of my favorites. That's where I get the chronology, some of the wording, whatever. Mm, but also within that forensic files, they talk to one of the talking heads is um, a famous crime writer. And he was also ex LAPD detective. He was a detective for the LAPD for 20 years. His name is Joseph Wamba. And he wrote a book called Fire Lover. So if you really want like the deep down story, which I would highly recommend, I think I want to read this book. After I got um, I, I those who hunt monsters, I'm listening to it. That's kind of my thing that I was happy about this week. And no, it's not. No, it's not. But okay. yes, uh, it's not. I something else. But you have been listening to I it. I started listening so to have it. So <gasps> Like all around the house, I can't stop. I forgot to mention this and in the so, beginning. Okay, we'll have to talk about it after. Okay. Okay. So anyway, okay, but fire lovers next because okay. this story is so fucking crazy. Take it. Okay. But. As I wrote, I'm taking the chronology and the shape of the story from the original gangster forensic file. Hey, girl. Okay. Um, okay, so this episode starts, and so I shall start on October 10th, 1984, um, because it's very good storytelling to start it on the day that the San Diego Padres are playing the Detroit Tigers in the World Series. Oh, everyone remembers that. Actually, I bet Vince remembers exactly where he was. I, I'm happened. sure he does, right? Detroit boy and all. And I believe they were playing in San Diego, so, um, or maybe not. No, no, no. I'll ask Vince. It doesn't matter. Steven, <laughs> Steven, Steven. Okay. <laughs> so it starts on October 10th, 1984. The San Diego Padres are playing the Detroit Tigers in the World Series. And there's a hardware store in South Pasadena called Oli's. I don't know if you remember that chain of hardware stores. It's like a, mm, you know. No, it's, no. It's basically like old school Home Depot. Sure. So they interview a guy named Jim Obdam who worked there in high school. And he's talking about how he notices nobody's there because the World Series and this, the Padres are playing in the World Series. So every there's no business mm -hmm. except for like a few people scattered around the store. A few women, probably. What's that? A few women, probably. Right, right. Um, Just kidding. So he hears an emergency message over the PA and then the fire alarm starts going off. And so... He looks, he goes out into like the aisle and looks down and there's a huge plume of smoke coming from like the back of the store, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he turns and he starts helping the few customers that are there to try to get them out the fire exit doors. Mm -hmm. And as they're trying to walk toward it, it just becomes a wall of flames. And the entire store is like up and fully engulfed. Like it, immediately he said it happened so fast he got out of the store, but he had really bad burns on one arm. He said he touched his arm and skin just oh, came off. No, no. Yes. So, um, uh, he gets out, but, uh, four people oh. got trapped in and killed in that fire. Oh my God. Um, two customers, grandmother Ada Deal no. and her two year old grandson, no. Matthew Troidel, and then two employees, 17 year old. Jamie Satina and 26-year-old Carolyn Krause, they all died in that oh fire. Oh, my God. So the official explanation was that it was an electrical fire. Mm -hmm. um, but the arson, the arson investigator um, from the Glendale Fire Department was on the scene. He believed it was arson right off the bat. He took pictures. He documented the whole scene. Um, when they were saying, we think it's an electrical, electrical fire, he was arguing with them. Um so then January 1987, there's another fire at another, a different Oli's huh. um, hardware store. And um, this fire, so this is like three years later. Okay. Um, two and a half, three years later. 
Um, this one is set in the foam padding section. Um, oh, God. Yeah. And then the same day, 90 miles away in Bakersfield, there's a fire at a Craft Mart store. Um, and in the Bakersfield's uh, fire, um, Captain Marvin Casey arrives at the scene at that fire. And um, he finds in a bin of dry flowers a slow-burning incendiary device, which was three matches wrapped around a lit cigarette mm. um, with binder paper rubber banded around the outside of all of it mm-hmm. and then put into the, the dry flowers. So when the cigarette gets down to the butt, it lights the matches on fire? Yep, and then the matches light the paper, okay. and it's the whole thing is just this very rudimentary, slow-burning incendiary that device. You would never, um, that you would never look, like, know to look for. Right, exactly. I'm so sorry. Elvis is eating the french fries that are on the counter. <laughs> sorry. He's going to vomit those on the bed in the middle of the night if those are not taken. Thank you, Stephen. I think we should leave that in. I don't know though because you're like I'm so sorry Elvis is eating like Stephen go get that oh I I mean look at me I'm not getting up (laughs) I don't want to be rude Georgia's feet are above her head she's so reclined oh I have a pillow between my legs okay sorry no no um okay so they find that incendiary vice in the in the dried flowers Crazy. that Marvin Casey does. Um, and then on the binder paper, he finds a fingerprint. <gasps> so he sends that off to the lab. And they're like, we have to get that fingerprint. But it is the 80s, remember. Yeah. So everything is like... A hundred years old. It, dear, Xerox. It's the Xerox version of everything. <laughs> Everything's a fax machine. <laughs> everything is a carbon copy of a carbon copy. Yeah. It's like dittos. Okay. <laughs> Um, so while Marvin Casey is at the scene of that fire, the Craft Smart store, he hears on the radio a second fire breaks out at a different fabric store in Bakersfield. The fuck? So um, the investigators that went to that fire found that that was also intentionally set with a slow-burning incendiary device in the pillow and foam rubber section of the store. Um there were other suspicious fires in the neighboring towns north of Bakersfield, Tulare, and Fresno. So it's basically all these cities up and down Highway 99, which is basically in California. There's the five that goes up and down the entire state, mm-hmm. which is what you drive when you're going from L.A. to San Francisco and you want to go 95 miles an hour the whole time. <laughs> the 99 is in, is further east, and it's, it's more of a two-lane highway. Mm-hmm. And you take that one when you're just smoking a bunch of grass. Okay. Uh, So Marvin Casey hears the reports on the radio. And then he remembers there's an arson investigators convention in Fresno that weekend. Oh, my God. And so um, he realizes that all of these fires are going up and down the 99 ending in Fresno. Because Fresno is the northernmost of all the cities that that was happening in. And so he goes, he's thinking... What if this arsonist is a fireman? And um, he goes to his bosses and 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 explains this theory to them, and they're like, "You're fucking crazy. Right. That's insane. It, it it that's not true." Um, like you know, they're they're so not into that theory. They were like, "Think inside the matchbox." Come <laughs> on, but he was thinking outside the matchbox. Oh, oh, I get it. Um, God, they basically say he's crazy. Okay, that's what they say. So. Uh, 
So they find matching slow burning incendiary devices that match the craft mart and the oleifiers. Um, then they take the print. Uh, he takes a print that's found. It's entered into APHIS, but there's no matches in the national database. So um, he asks if he can cross-check all the f- fingerprints of the people who are at that arson investigation convention um, with this one fingerprint, and they say no. Um, they said, your theory is impossible and ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So two years later, in March of 1989, there's another spate of fires. Um this one's up and down the 101, and it's further north. Um, Marvin Casey, once again, sees that there's an arson invest- investigation no. symposium in Pacific Grove. So this is up by Monterey, mm-hmm. from what I looked up on the map, unless there's another Pacific Grove. Um, so basically, what Marvin Casey does is he, he narrows down a list of 10 people who were at the oh. first arson symposium and the most recent arson symposium. See, I don't know if that's correct terminology. I would have guessed that he was, that whoever was doing the fires was like mocking them or fucking with the people, the, the firefighters at the symposium. Right. Could be. But he didn't. You mean like bur- burning nearby? Like, oh, you can't get yeah. them. Yeah. Like you guys are all here and yet I'm still here. Well, here. anything's possible at this point Except- in the story. Except for my possibility. <laughs> that's No, you're right. I mean, I think that's just so fascinating. Yeah. That he thought of that. Right. Uh, okay, so he, he, uh, he makes the list of the 10 people who are both. Mm-hmm. Um, and he finally, they start working. There's been so many fires at this point. They bring in the a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Mm-hmm. And... So he gets ATF to cross-check the fingerprints um, with the one found on the incendiary device. There's no match. So it confirmed that uh, Marvin Casey's theory is no good. His bosses are like, okay, are you going to drop this now? Because mm. that was your chance to prove it and your theory is wrong. Mm-hmm. So then two years later, in June of 1990... There's the College Hills fire. This is a fire that was in those hills above Glendale. Mm-hmm. It burned 67 houses. Holy shit. It's one of the biggest ca- uh, wildfires in California history. Oh, my God. And it was proven to be arson. So by the year's end, by the end of 1990, um, it was clear that this arsonist was at it again. And finally, the ATF assigned special, special agent. I'm doing it, too. Special agent Mike Matassa to the case. He, in starting to work on it and look through all of the evidence and the facts, finds out about Marvin Casey's theory, and he thinks it's a good theory. So he he goes back. He sees that the fingerprint didn't match anybody's. So he has the idea that um, this time he's going to cross-check that one fingerprint with anyone who's ever applied for a job with the city. So instead of being those specific dudes, it's just... If it is a fireman or whoever it could possibly be, we'll know if we cross-check it with the city fingerprints. It could be the you, fucking fire receptionist. That's Firehouse right. receptionist. It could, it could be the fucking Dalmatian. <laughs> <laughs> Just could like be a, the trainer. Why didn't you notice that there were five little pads? That's <laughs> those points of, the oh, points of comparison no. or whatever they call it. Okay, so... Um, so... Yeah, because you have to get your finger printed when you apply for a job with the city. Mm-hmm. Comes back with a match. The match <laughs> is a man named John Orr, who is the arson investigator for the Glendale Fire Department. Was he the guy at the first scene? 
Second scene. Yes. At the the first story I told, it's the guy that was there immediately saying this is arson. He was calling it out as arson? Yes. Yes. Tell me everything. Okay. This is, okay, at this point when they do this reveal in Forensic Files, I was like, wait, so what? Because (laughs) they do it so perfectly that you're like, but who could this be? This Mm -hmm. is super weird. Or it's someone that wants to be a fireman. Yeah, because it wouldn't be the person, that just makes no sense that the person there being like, it was arson. I know because I did it. Like that doesn't, Right? You're like, you're kind of stupid. Or, or you're so smart. Well, it's, it's, it's that thing of like how serial killers get so narcissistic and so, you know, they're psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Um, so they think they're smarter than everybody. They don't think they're ever going to get caught. And they really are. It's part of the, uh, joy of doing it is being setting it and then being the first one there to explain to everybody how it happened or showing up and thinking someone else is going to be like it's arson but everyone else like it's natural it's like no give me credit for how smart i am yes (laughs) they're just saying it's fucking no look around isn't look over in the pillows (laughs) okay so Here's the deal with John Orr. He applied to be a Los Angeles policeman first. He all his life wanted to be a policeman. He passed every test except for the psychological exam. Uh-oh. Yeah. That can't and, be that hard to cheat, right? <laughs> I mean, his psych profile, uh, here's the quote from it, uh, from the results of that test. He, it says he's a schizoid person. Mm who is withdrawn from people and may have sexual confusion on his orientation. Mm-hmm. That comes out in a, in a cop test. I don't under, I want to take it. Can we get the LAPD to send us <laughs> two cop tests? Not the one where you have to climb over a wall oh. dry. No, 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 no. That one I fucking hate. You know, when they scramble straight up like a wooden wall. Yeah. Ugh, makes me want to I want to light that wall on that wooden wall on fire. Yes, with a slow burning incendiary. And device. take a psychological test. <laughs> or I gotta sit indoors in an air conditioning. And pass it. And pass it with flying colors. Okay, so then he applies to be an LA fire department. Okay. A fireman. <laughs> he applies to be the department. He wants to become the entire department. <laughs> he applies to be a fireman in LA, but he can't pass the physical. Eey. Yeah. Which I mean, could anyone? For real, because also it's not just being a fireman, but you're in a fireman in L.A. Oh, my God. Where it's kind of like the cream of the crop anyway, in terms of people. A lot of people come here with big muscles. Sure. Anyhow. (laughs) And email Karen. If if you're one of those. How big are your muscles? Let me know. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm super into that. I know that's what you're going to do. Big (laughs) muscles. Totally. Okay. So he doesn't pass the physical. He's crushed. So then he kind of like lays low for a while. Then he applies to the Glendale Fire Department, which is less Tony and exciting and statusy, obviously, than the L.A. Fire Department mm-hmm. um, and probably easier to get into. Mm-hmm. So he gets in and he actually does very well. And he quickly is promoted to captain and then eventually to arson investigator. Hmm. So, um, John Orr was also on Marvin Casey's list of the 10 people who were at both of those arson conferences. Yep. And, um, the, and later on they found that the only reason his fingerprint didn't match, it was just like a lab mistake. (laughs) It was the same fingerprint. Oh yeah. So that was almost, and also then I thought, Ooh, or did somebody go, this can't 
get out or this can't <gasps> be found out. Sure. Although that'd be insane because then it's like, but then we'll, we'll let all of Glendale burn. <laughs> just to, just to hide this one fact. Maybe it won't happen again. Oh, oh my god! Dang it! Uh, Sixty-seven houses. So, Ugh. after seven years of arson fires, they finally have a suspect. Um, but the fingerprint only puts him at one of the fires, mm-hmm. so they have to put him under surveillance. Mm-hmm. So um, it's so hilarious. In this forensic files, they talk all about GPS versus the tracker that they use on his car, and they're explaining GPS because oh, no one knew what it was. This man talking about like satellite technology right. as such, where I was like, oh my god. We live like in the f- triple future. Totally. Compared to 1993 or whenever this. Ugh, okay. Anyway, totally. It's just so weird. I love it. So this is basically what happened. And I wish I couldn't find anything else about the specifics of this day. And I so wish I could. Also, I tried. Yeah, I'll, talk, I'll talk about it after. They find his car. They locate. So they put a tracker on his car. Mm-hmm. And they find once they get all this information, they're like, find him now. He has to be off the street. You know, mm-hmm. um, they find that he's not the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. And soon after they locate his car there, a fire breaks out on one of the TV show sets. Are you kidding me? I swear to God. And I was like, which one was it, Alf? Like, oh, you don't I know? I thought you were going to make me guess. No, I, I wish I could. Oh, someone's got to know this. <laughs> someone's got to know. And that's what I was going to say. It could be in. There was a, a made for HBO movie called Point of Origin. Hmm. Starring Ray Liotta playing this guy. Radical. And I'm I'm sure it's in there, but the only I could find no versions of it, not on HBO Go, nowhere, not on on YouTube, there's a version of it. Have you ever seen this? Mm-mm. Where people illegally upload movies and so they put it into almost like a mortise. So it's it's a TV screen like yours, but mm-hmm. turned to the side. Mm-mm. The speed of the movie is speeded up like times two. So it's Ray Liotta being like, get over here and take a look at this evidence. Like everything's going really fast. I have no idea about that. And also there's an Asian girl standing there with a remote control pointed at the TV. <laughs> like that's all static. What? And then the movie's happening in the screen. I, you have to see it. It's hilarious. If you look, if you look up point of origin. Okay. That's how that's I... That's a 1990s uh, ripoff of a movie is yes that that's how you pirate a movie in 1991. I tried to watch it for like four minutes and I was like, this is not fucking worth it. I feel like I'm about to go insane. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, but someone can and I bet you in that they say exactly what show they're on. So anyhow, he leaves. Okay, so basically they find that he's at the Warner Brothers lot. Then they get the alarm. A fire is broken out on the Warner Brothers lot. Elf is lot. on fire. Uh, Elf's burning. His whole back is on fire. <laughs> Someone get over there right away. Uh-huh. Um, which is funny because there is a fire department on the Warner Brothers lot. That There's actually sense. like a fire truck and a firehouse wow. and everything right there. Okay. Anyhow, ask me anything. <laughs> um, so they track him driving away from the Warner Brothers lot. And then when he gets the official call on his radio at home, he drives back, but the um, the radio operator gave the wrong address. <gasps> so she's like, there's a fire at do-do-do-do-do. He drives straight back to the Warner Brothers lot. They did that on purpose? Yes. <gasps> well, they say it was, they say... Um, Bullshit. They make it sound like it was her, it was the dispatcher's right. mistake. But I bet you that was the test. Yeah. Um, because you don't need to know the address of the Warner no. Brothers lot. It's like the main thing in Burbank. Totally. Anyhow, that's when they knew it was absolutely him because he with being given a different address still went to where the fire was. Yeah. So they're like, arrest him now. So that's, they're like, 
All right, I just said that. Okay. <laughs> um, so they get a search warrant for his home and car, and then inside a briefcase, they find matches, binder paper, cigarettes, and rubber bands. Oh, you ding dong. He claims it's a coincidence and that he's totally innocent. In his home, they find home video um, mm. that starts with a shot of a beautiful hillside home. And it sh- it's like, it runs like that for like a couple minutes and then it stops and it starts up again at eight, the same home 18 months later, burning to the ground. So he, it was all like <sighs> planned. 18 months. 18 months. He planned it. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. Okay. So then they, they also find in his house a manuscript for a book called Points of Origin mm-hmm. that he's writing. He, go ahead. He is, wrote it. He's writing a book about what do you think the book's about um where he's from in europe his point of origin <laughs> it's a book about an arson investigator who's actually really a serial arsonist is he is does ray Liotta in the book version play him already what do you mean in the book version because really never mind that's the movie name from hbo that's exactly right so he's writing it well yeah but it's not he didn't write the the okay. movie version because that would be cool. Like, well, let's just use his. <laughs> <laughs> he even said Castellaniota, and so we're gonna do it. No, they basically go to his house and find a script mm-hmm. that is his story, but with a different name. the 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 arson investigator's name is Aaron Styles. But here's the there's a list of similarities between the book and the facts of the case. Uh, both are firefighters, both are non-smokers, both, this is from a, like a legal document. Mm-hmm. Both use a delay incendiary device designed to fully ignite the fire approximately 10 to 15 minutes after the device is in place. Uh, in one draft of the manuscript, it describes a match attached to a cigarette and placed inside a paper bag. Um, Similar to the actual facts of the binder paper, mm-hmm. match in the binder paper. Both start fires in retail stores located in Los Angeles during business hours. Both place the incendiary device in combustible materials located in the store. Both start fires in the drapery section at a Los Angeles fabric store. Both start fires in display of styrofoam products. Oh my God. Um, both start fires in hardware stores. Both start fires in several retail stores in close proximity to one another within a short span of time on the same day. Both start fires in the same locations while both the character and the actual arsonist were traveling to or from arson investigators conferences in Fresno. Oh, my. He's like he's admitting to the whole thing. Yes. In his stupid script. It's basically a script called My Diary of Being a Serial Arsonist. (laughs) And he's does he say it's a coincidence? Yeah. (laughs) It's such a strange coincidence. But uh uh, what's not in that document, but what is in the script is that his lead character sets these fires, um, and then writes about watching them with an erection or while masturbating. And one scene in the manuscript, he can't get an erection until he starts a fire. What if that were your, what if that were true? What if that were your thing? What if that was your thing? What if you couldn't? How do you figure that out? And then how do you make it work? And then like, don't. Well, you know what it is? Just you, don't get an erection anymore. It's fine. I don't know. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's fine. That's not an option for some people? I, who would it be for? I mean... Look. <laughs> listen. Listen. At one point in the book, he describes his lead character raping and killing a woman and then burning her in her car. Oh. Authorities found a similar <gasps> no. cold case where the body of a woman was found raped and murdered in a burnt out car. <gasps> but they couldn't find any hard evidence to connect John Orr with that crime. 
Also in the book, the main character talked about setting several fires at once so that the firemen would be overwhelmed, (gasps) allowing him to watch one of the fires burn freely until it was totally out of control. Oh, my God. And that same character also talked about one of the victims of one of the fires he sets being a two-year-old boy Mm. named Matthew. Are you serious? Mm Mm-hmm. So the exact victim of one of his fires, he's writing about in this script. And that was the detail that cinched it for the investigators. They were Mm. just like, so he's arrested and he's charged with numerous counts of arson and four counts of first degree murder. In 1998, he's sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years without the possibility of parole. He has never admitted that he's guilty. What? um, Which is one of the many signs that he's a psychopath. Yeah. He's motivated by his ego, by delusions of grandeur. He believes that he's smarter and better than everyone. No remorse, no guilt. Um, And he's a great actor and highly manipulative. There's actually, I found a couple clips of him talking. He got interviewed. um, uh, It's before he got caught being interviewed and talking on the news about one of the fires. And he's... You would, he's one of those kind of people, the way he speaks, even though he's not like that exciting of a person, you can tell how he is like so kind of strangely alluring. Mm. He's very sharp and very clear eyed and very like knows all the details. He's a real expert. Really, yeah, really interested in what, yeah, crazy. Um, so. ATF agent Mike Matassa believes that between 1984 and 1991, John Orr set at least 2,000 fires. What? And perhaps up to 10,000 fires. What the fuck? Some arson investigators and an FBI criminal profiler have deemed Orr to be one of the worst American serial arsonists of the 20th century. Before his arrest, the average number of brush fires in the hills above Glendale and Burbank were 67 a year. After his arrest, that number dropped Two, three. Oh my fucking God. So he was doing all of them for yeah. almost a decade. It was all him, oh my essentially. Oh God. Um, uh, oh, and then I just started watching a video about what it actually means to be a psychopath because we've had yeah. so many discussions about psychopath, sociopath, yeah. all the different languages that we use. And it's basically the psychopath. What I think is super interesting is that they have absolutely no empathy or connection to other people's feelings. And it's that thing where like to imagine like you could kind of break it down of like, so you're an arsonist, you're you have like almost like a sexual fetish for fire. Mm-hmm. So you're forced to to set these fires. Mm-hmm. That's one thing where you're just like you can't control it. Mm-hmm. To set a fire during business hours of a large business and then four people get trapped inside that fire and die and you still write about them like it's fiction, like it's just this fun idea you have. Like he has absolutely no connection to other human beings. Does that mean that, does that mean that they don't have feelings like us either? Like if you can't be empathetic towards other people's feelings, does it mean you don't know what it's like to be sad? You don't know what it's like to be happy or angry or... No, I think they have their own feelings. Mm -hmm. They just don't understand. So this is kind of interesting and this could be completely off, but 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 this is my own personal theory Mm -hmm. because my therapist is really into like all that brain research and how like a lot of times we blame ourselves for just what our 
natural brain does. So like mm-hmm. people are like, I'm super anxious, but actually like our brain, our amygdala, mm-hmm. the, uh, like is set to, tra- it trains us to look for, for predators constantly. So if you're not thinking about the past, if you're not like going over what you did the last time you tried to go hunt a bison or whatever, mm-hmm. then if you're in the present, you're just scanning for danger. And that's our natural brain set. It's mm-hmm. either, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> reviewing the past for mistakes mm-hmm. or scanning the present or possible future for danger. Mm-hmm. These days, people think that means I'm crazy when it's like, no, no, that's the natural set point of like, your brain. I'm anxious. It's like, no, you're just constantly scanning for things that could go wrong. Right. And maybe you're overdoing it because of whatever reasons, but it's right. normal to be like that. But pa- pa- I think part of the reason people think they're overdoing it because is because people think they're supposed to be at some Zen right. neutral nothing where it's like no one active mind is a natural thing yeah especially a mind that's like be careful be careful be careful oh, that that's, makes me feel better yeah it's like why we're alive it's why we our ancestors lived and other people died because that yeah. part of their brain didn't work as well yeah motherfuckers it's not as bad as you think but so this other part there's lots of theory that she gave she told me that made me very happy but the other one was we have this thing called mirror neurons that they're just kind of now like doing research on and understanding mm-hmm. but it's the thing of like when you watch one of those videos of a soldier coming home and his dog losing mm. its shit right oh my god and it just makes you cry yeah that's because that's not happening to you yeah but your brain doesn't know that because your brain is watching another human being which it looks like you and seems like you go through an experience that that the mirror neuron goes this is what it feels like when this happens and then like right now i'm getting tingles thinking about those videos because my brain goes it's you when you are taking in that information the way your brain processes it is that you're having it. these emotions that that person's having exactly because you're empathetic and you can understand exactly and that's how like. we stay connected and that's how we make sure we have food every night yeah. and shelter is because you need human connection yeah. to survive like it's tribe mentality right. it's it's survival instincts right psychopaths haven't well i shouldn't say that because that's now i'm making shit up but, but one would say that they don't they're not, not that ability we know i was about to say they don't have mirror neurons i know nothing about um that brain chemistry or, or anything but they we know for a fact they don't have empathy so when they watch a soldier come home and its dog loses its shit and all those things mm-hmm. they just are watching a video of two things touching each mm. other so it's not like they they get mad. He clearly has sexual feelings. He has mm-hmm. he wants to be famous. He wrote this thing. He wants different things. He just has no connectors to the people around him mm-hmm. and, and no he doesn't understand if something happens to that person, it feels the same to them as it does right. when something bad happens to him. Wow. That's heavy. I overexplain that, but um I really felt like an expert, and sometimes you just want to keep on feeling like an expert. If there's any corrections, corners for that, save it. <laughs> just let me be right this have, one time. Have some empathy. <laughs> if you have empathy, you wouldn't correct corner that. Come That's on. Him. I'm going to go ahead and say you were right. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I think I was at least in the ballpark this you, time. Yeah. Well, also because I watch a really good, there's some real good videos. This can be my good thing of the week. Okay. It's, I found these videos that are just, you know, those ones, they explain something with an illustration. So there's someone talking, but it's being drawn. Yes. I get it now. You put an arrow to a thing. Yes. And suddenly it's clear. Oh, you just have a little Ikea guy that's actually acting it out. Now I get it. He has a happy face and a sad face. Yeah. And that's how you know how he's feeling. But no hair for some reason. Too much. So 
I found a series of videos by uh, uh, the people who make them. It's called Psych to the Number Two Go. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, um, what what does it mean to be a psychopath or how to know if you're dating a sociopath or how to deal with your anxiety, whatever. But then I'm like, what is Psych to Go? I've never heard of you before. So I start looking into that. It brings me to a website that says psychology by millennials for millennials. Uh And then it kicked you out. It's like, enter your birth date. (laughs) Get out of here, grandma. This is for us. (laughs) Yeah, to enter your birth date. And it's like, "Eh, eh, sorry. It made me laugh so hard that it's like, finally, psychology for me (laughs) psychology i can relate to Mm -hmm. yeah but actually it seems like a good website yeah i was just trying to make sure it wasn't like secretly scientology or something sure and then it was like and anyways kill 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 (laughs) karen and then send us the money yeah no it wasn't that that's sweet uh my positive thing is that vince and i are going away for my birthday for a couple days and i just can't wait to get out of the city and yeah Go antiquing. <laughs> I'm going to eat so much food. Maybe there'll be a massage in there. Oh, hey. I just need to get out of town for a day or two. That's going to be so nice. So and you're going to be by the ocean, right? Yeah. So you get to have some some of them negative ions, which is real good for you. Does that happen? That's the ocean air. That's yeah. why ocean air always feels good and like yeah. makes you feel refreshed. It's them negative ions that we don't get in this polluted city Ugh, i'm into it that's um, great okay okay bye no wait that was fun should we wrap it up <laughs> i feel like we didn't wrap it up correctly um that was good i like your your fire story thank you yeah I, i'm gonna watch know. that the whole time in my mind i was like picturing how the forensic files would look yeah so as you were telling it to me i was like oh yeah then this thing would happen like how bad the like reenactments probably were from the 90s and yes there was a lot of um they had a lot of home video oh okay the dawn of like real because it was his home video yes he would go to the fucking fires and set up his video camera dude or his he had um a lot of like hard copy photos fuck yeah it's the craziest like i think that might be my favorite is the the person that's been wearing a mask mm. and then doing horrifying things and no one knows and like it's almost like people don't want to know yeah i wish someone would talk to him it's crazy that he's still alive and like has all this information but won't even like admit to it so we can like figure him out oh no in his mind he's he it's another one of those things he's being victimized he's completely innocent he has never admitted to anything oh so i wonder what that is all about too he's a psychopath they they don't admit they're they're even if he does he know he did it yeah oh yeah absolutely how could he think he's tricking anyone he's in jail for the rest of his life i guess well he did trick people for so long and it's the that's part of the mental illness is like they're, they think they're the kind of the king of the world. Yeah. Well, shit. I mean, fuck. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Look. Stay away. If you do anything, if you don't do anything, please let it be light everything on fire. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, you've heard me say that a million times. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that your lower back tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> it wraps all the way around my haunch. Your hat, your cackles. <laughs> it wraps around your cackles. I don't want to get my cockles up. Um, well, thanks for listening, you guys. You guys are the fucking sweetest. 
Love you're number you. one. Number one, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for all your accents this week. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a moment of thinking. <laughs> Mimi, thank you for your input this week. Come on now, this one, Mimi. All right. Uh, <laughs> Mimi's like, no, that's not, I'm not that one. No comment. And I think while I did that, I broke this microphone. <laughs> so that was great. You yanked it right down. I didn't off that mean thing. to. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs> Mimi, you want a cookie? <laughs> well, that was Elvis. Mimi? Okay, <laughs> oh. <laughs> bye. bye. Thank you.